Today's episode of the City of Smack podcast on the City of Smack podcast network is brought to you by Gooder Sunglasses. If you've been listening to the show for the past couple months, you know I'm all about Gooder shades because they're perfect for runners and they're super stylish. They don't slip, bounce, or fog up when you're crushing miles on trails, and they look great if you're just hanging out with friends from a safe and social distance, of course. Why spend 100 bucks or 200 bucks on a pair of sunglasses that you might lose or break within a couple weeks? Gooder has the most affordable performance sunglasses on planet Earth. They start at just $25 a pair. Super affordable. If you visit Gooder.com slash Sidious, you can check out all my favorite pairs, and I recently updated it with some of their new styles. Hit that link. Check it all out. Gooder is offering our listeners nothing yet. I'm coming up with a giveaway soon, so stay tuned for more details on that. But for now, go to gooder.com slash Sidious. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash Sidious. Check out my favorites. Snag a pair. Tag us in your photos with them. Look good. Run gooder. Legs are feeling good. Eyes are looking gooder. My guest for today's episode and making her first ever podcast debut is Sarah Sutherland. She is a professional runner for Saucony. She was a star at the University of Texas and the University of Colorado. She's got personal bests of 406 for 1500 meters and 1526 for 5000 meters. Just a few weeks ago, she raced at the Music City Distance Carnival in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was her first race in a year and a half. It's been a challenging road back, but if there's anyone who has ever had a great attitude when faced with tough obstacles like injuries, it's been Sarah. So we catch up on her work to get back to 100% and the gratitude that comes with doing what you love. This was a blast to record out in Boulder, and Sarah said that apparently I ask a lot of good questions. So without further ado, here is Sarah Sutherland. We're rolling. We're here. With Sarah Sutherland. Sarah, first ever podcast. First ever podcast. I'm glad it's this one. You just raced for the first time in a year and a half. Yes. How, uh, how'd it go? And sort of like, we'll get into sort of the, uh, like the behind the scenes of why it took so long, but, but how'd the race go? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, Chris. This is so much fun and I'm a really big fan of the show. I listen to all of your episodes, so it's really fun to be here talking to you. Uh, the race went really well in that it happened yeah you know um being back out there was amazing and it was really 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 uncomfortable and you know there's a learning curve with getting back to racing after that period of time i've never been out that long you know hopefully other people don't have to experience being out that long and so it was not a result that i was super ecstatic about but you know it was funny I talked to Riley on the phone afterwards and he said, how are you feeling about it? And I'm not normally emotional or anything, you know, when it comes to my running stuff, unless I get injured and then I'm just crying all sad and everything. But I just started, I started like weeping and I was like, I'm so proud of myself. You know, I can't believe that I'm actually back doing this. Yeah. That was really awesome. It's a feeling of gratitude, I guess, when, at what point in the comeback did you sort of like I guess, get the green light that, oh, a race is on the schedule. And, and how do you describe it? Sort of like that excitement that comes with, with it having been so long. Yeah. Oh man. So it's obviously, this is like such an interesting time with racing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a whole dynamic of, you know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen with anything, you know, that was like penciled in on the schedule. So 
probably Music City about eight weeks out was when I first heard about it, maybe 10 weeks. And then as we got closer and closer, we were hoping, you know, that it would continue to come together and that we would have the opportunity to compete. And, you know, I'm so thankful. Um, Dave Milner did an amazing job putting the meet together and they had a great team of volunteers and it was really cool because, you know, the athletes were totally willing to roll with the punches and go, you know, do the COVID testing and do all the stuff that we had to do to be safe. So I was so grateful for that, but you know, it was kind of a question mark, like, is this actually going to happen? Um, and so it was, it was really exciting once I was like actually on my way there and thinking, I'm going to do this. You know, we get to go, we get to go be in a race. Were the nerves a little different, I guess, before this race or like just being there, I guess it, 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 you've seemed excited like this entire time, but actually the gun's about to go off. Was there just a shift in the mindset that you had to have for the next 15 minutes? No, I felt like, you know, it's funny when you've, when you've had all of these injuries, I feel so much less nervous for racing because, you know, in terms of the, you know, the worst thing that can happen to an athlete who wants to compete is not being able to train, not being able to compete, not being able to do what you love. And so I feel like that it's really easy to feel like, oh, having a poor race is kind of the worst outcome, Mm -hmm. but it's not, I mean, you get to be there. And so I think that takes a lot of the pressure off in terms of feeling like, you know, I have experienced something that was totally not fun and I made it out on the other side and I'm here. So whatever happens, happens. So take us back. What was the injury and when, when did it start? Oh man, there were, there were many. Okay. <laughs> there Run were through many. them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it kind of started in 2018 in March. I got a stress fracture in my femur mm-hmm. and came back really, really aggressively from that because I wanted to compete that season. I wanted to run at USA's and race throughout the summer. And I think after that, I had a couple more setbacks with my femur and maybe not having given it totally adequate time to heal. And beyond that, not really addressing kind of the, you know, the mechanics or the habits or the different things that got me a femoral stress fracture in the first place. And so I was just doing what, so many athletes do, which is, you know, I'm moving forward. I'm just going to be aggressive and I'm going to come back from this and I'm going to move forward, which is an awesome thing. But at the same time, it's not always the best way to set yourself up for long-term success. A couple days after we recorded this episode, Sarah texted me and said, Chris, this is Sarah Sutherland. Just check my training log to fact check myself and definitely had way more than two or three weeks of running before USA's in 2018 after my femur injury, which according to my journal was a stress reaction. Anyways, looks like my first run was seven weeks before USA's despite the fact that it felt like I had a very short time. It was much more than I thought. No idea if there's a way to make this correction, but just did not want to be misleading. So there you go. Sarah wanted to set the record straight sort of on that initial injury. Uh, and we can do this in post. That's the beauty of podcasting. So thanks to Sarah for that quick correction and clarification. And then after that, I think I was healthy for a while. And then I had, I'm trying to remember, Chris, it's like quite the saga. (laughs) Um, I had a tear in my planter, which I thought was Okay, it was one of those things where you tell yourself, you know, Do you know how I'm happened? right. Just, just running. Yeah, 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 it just happened. And 
I kept trying to tell myself, I'm okay, I'm okay. I can, you know, keep training on this. I can keep uh, working out. And that kind of thing was kind of in and out of the pool, like spotty training. And people say that you can run through planner and that might be true sometimes, but <laughs> I I tried and I did not succeed. And I ended up with a navicular stress fracture and three other stress reactions in my foot. And so it was funny because, you know, it's it's amazing when you can laugh about it after the fact. But uh, first of all, I, I felt like I was on Instagram during that time. And you want to say something about like, this is how things are going. So like, I would have one post that was like, I'm healthy, like two thumbs way up. And then I would have another post that was like, everything is not that good. So it was just funny, like the, you know, up and down being documented on the internet. Um, I'm glad I can laugh about it. But um, when did you start laughing about it? You think? I mean, sometimes you laugh and you cry at the same time. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) it's just how it goes. So um, yeah, that was in May of 2019 when I, finally said, you know, my foot really doesn't feel good. And I got an MRI and then I found out, you know, it's eight weeks on crutches and all that. So, yeah. So we've got, what is it that's right there? That's, how would you describe that? (laughs) That beautiful contraption. Yeah. (laughs) What is it? So it's the, you just wheeled around the mud thing, right? Yes. So actually that thing is a lifesaver and an amazing conversation starter. So we're looking at right now, in the corner of Riley's and my like breakfast room area is a knee scooter. Mm-hmm. And so cumulative and yeah, yeah. knee scooter time between the two of us over the last year has been a lot, but um, it's honestly awesome just like in terms of mobility and getting around. And if you just accept this is what I'm doing, people are so kind and so friendly. But it's what, awesome. Does it do anything for you to just have it here, like kind of prominent and being able to see it? Like <laughs> back, any sort of like, huh, not getting back to that anytime soon. No, I mean, honestly, if anything, it's it speaks to our laziness in returning it to its <laughs> owner that it's still in our house. Um, no, this is like kind of the injury corner. We have a, a stationary bike right next to our knee scooter sitting over here. But um, no, I mean, every time I look at it, I'm really, really thankful, you know, for my mobility and being able to walk around on two feet. That's not something to take for granted. What was the first run where you felt like, okay, I think everything is somewhat back to normal and like, let's give this a go. Oh, that's a great question. So I remember I have a vivid memory. I went to Marshall Mesa, which have you done that run while you've been in Boulder? I haven't yet. I don't think so. A lot of these are blending in for me. Right, uh, right. At the time, like, I'm just trying to hang on. <laughs> well, and they're all like beautiful. You oh, know, yeah. everything's stunning. And yeah. my favorite so far has been um, Teller Farms because like, it's nice and one. flat and it's just, you know, an out and back. I have gotten lost. Where was it? On Davidson Mesa? Uh huh. Oh, no, 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 I didn't do that one. There was a really tough one where I only made it a mile, no, two miles out, and then I had to turn back. Um, and I was fearful for my life. Oh, no. The rest of the group went on without me, and I was just like, all right, it's just me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm still adjusting, even though I've been here a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's not that much time. No, I think I'll end up being here for two and a half weeks, and uh, I'll take the placebo effect afterwards. You know, where I'll, I'll get back to sea level, and I'll be like, oh, man, I feel so great, and it's because so of the, the time. Yes. Here. Well, the thing is, you'll just be starting to feel good, and then you'll be leaving. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So the, the, I guess the definition of normal, I guess, like when did that sort of like when you felt, okay, I think things might be back. So, so that run. Yeah. So I went out there and I think Riley and I went running with Dom Scott and Emma Coburn 
And I feel like there was one more person there. So I feel really bad for forgetting, but, um, we went running with them and it was the first run that I had where I was conversing with my friends and just really enjoying myself and not thinking so much like, Oh, how is everything feeling? Is my foot sore? You know, what pace am I running? Just was enjoying the moment. And, you know, I feel like this is going to become a theme maybe quickly, but I'm driving home and I was just like hit with so much gratitude. Like I started crying and I was like, man, this is like exactly what I was dreaming about doing. You know, all of those times that I was in the pool training and on the bike and all those things. And, you know, that's what it really comes down to is just like having so much gratitude for health and being out there with friends doing what I love to do. This setting in particular, is it sometimes hard to get caught up in because you know they, they are your friends but they're also they also happen to be some of like the best athletes yeah. in the sport um does that sometimes make it a little tough when you're sitting back injured and they're just going off and racing and setting these fast times like how do you sort of like how do you keep things in check when you know all you can control is what you can do oh that's such a great question i mean i think there's definitely an element of you know, being in Boulder and having so many friends here in town that have the same experiences when you show up to brunch or something and you've, you know, had to stop your run early because your shin hurts or, you know, just throwing something out here, you are going to have people who can commiserate with that situation. And that's such a gift, just being able to have friends who say, Hey, I've been there and I'm sorry, you Mm -hmm. know, and to, to know that they understand what you're feeling when you're disappointed or injured. Um, And then, you know, I felt really buoyed like through this whole last injury cycle by trying to shift my focus to cheering for other people. And that was a really cool dynamic between Riley and I because he was having so much success at that time. And so just shifting my attention to, you know, supporting him and being a cheerleader and doing that for my other friends in town who are accomplishing amazing things and kind of allowing that to be a motivator and something to be excited about because I've, you know, watched everyone that I know here in Boulder go through one time or another where they were down and out and frustrated. And sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down and (laughs) you have to be, I guess, okay with both of those things. Who are some of the other, I guess, like big athletes that you're a cheerleader for? Because, you know, I kind of step back and, and think, it hit me recently because I was I'm interviewing you right now. I've talked to Mariel Hall recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I I had Mia on the Runners of NYC podcast back yeah. in like the fall, and I'm like, wow, that Texas class is pretty loaded. Yes, yes. I mean, they're they're so amazing. I think about them all the time, and that has been really, really, really fun. You know, in particular with Mia and Marielle. We've all been on really different journeys since we graduated, but we're all huge fans of each other and they're such amazing people. So seeing Mia really have her breakthrough in the marathon was so much fun. And Marielle has just been like, you know, meteoric the last few years. And she's just, I mean, amazing athlete, amazing person. And so it really is cool to feel like we all kind of got our start together and we can still like catch up and touch base whenever we're all in the same place. And I mean, that's really, really fun. And I loved I loved hearing both of those podcasts. Those were great. Um, the, sort of like before, when you touched on Riley's success, I guess, in the past year or so and how you've been able to just like 
be able to be there for him and, and, and cheer him on. Um, it was funny because he brought up this theory, I guess it's been floating <laughs> around about running couples yes. and how it, I also kind of was, when I was going through both of your Instagrams, I'm like, I don't think they've been healthy at the same exact time. Right. Right. When did you notice this? So I was in denial of the, the quote, <laughs> putting air quotes here, the, the power crystal. Yeah. I was in denial <laughs> of the, the power crystal. He, he yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then... You know, I think the the last hope of defying the power crystal is Sean McGordy and Elise Cranny because, right. you know, they are both doing amazing right now. So I say kudos to them, well, defy what, the power crystal. What I told Riley was like, if you look at the power crystal, it's so far been uh, married couples. That yes. So yes. If, if they just don't get married, <laughs> <laughs> then maybe they, they break it. But he's got, we, we I, I picked his brain about what, the theory would be on how to break the power crystal for 2021 so that both mm. of you are healthy. What do you think needs to happen? I think, so first of all, um, my my theory about the power crystal is that if you take any two runners at any given time, probably one of them has an injury and one of them is healthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's teammates or whatever. Uh, so that's how I try to neutralize the power crystal in my own mind. Uh, I think probably what needs to happen, maybe what needs to happen is we need to get the knee scooter out of our house. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's the bad karma that's floating around. We just got to get it out of here. So sort of in the recovery process right now, are you just, are you back to a hundred percent you would say? Yes, certainly. Yes. And how's that felt? Oh, it's so great. I just, I've had so many days where, I mean, it just totally changes your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I don't look at my workouts or my racing the same way at all. I think that I've had periods of time where I've felt super perfectionistic or been really, really hard on myself. And it's so much better to just frame it as I'm doing the best I can. I'm super glad to be here. And there's so much freedom in that, just like kind of operating from a place of gratitude. Like, you know, anything that happens is a bonus because I'm healthy and I'm having a great time. In workouts, uh, I guess Riley mentioned beforehand that you've got, there's now COVID protocols right before, I guess like you just came back from one. Uh, what, because it's kind of just weird times in general. Totally. What, what did you need to do, I guess, in order to, to work out today? It's kind of just something I'm curious about. Yeah. Um, like in terms of COVID? Yeah. 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 So when we're warming up, um, today I worked out totally solo, but um, when we're warming up, it's, I mean, you've been running here in Boulder and everybody's mm-hmm. very like meticulous about like you have the buff around your neck and you pull it up when you pass another runner. And that's really the main thing. You know, if I'm out there on the track by myself and there's no one around, then I don't have to be mm-hmm. concerned about that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the main thing. And then in terms of racing, um, we you had, had to test, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first COVID test? Like that's the first time <laughs> I ever had to ask someone. Like, <laughs> Okay. So it, honestly, I was super impressed. The whole procedure was very efficient and professional. I just kind of like hung out in my car and read a book until it was my turn. And, uh, the doctor comes up and administers the test. And it's funny because Riley had said, this is so uncomfortable. It's going to be so terrible. And so I was really mentally gamed up for it. And, I mentioned that to the doctor and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, your husband has a low pain tolerance. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> I will be sure to pass that on. So it it wasn't bad. Did it, you get one of the brain tickler ones? Or? I did the brain tickler. Is oh, that the, the technical term? How was that? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. Yeah, it was fine. It was totally fine. And then, so how's it work? You just have to submit two results to the meet director and that yes. kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. so strange. Yeah. It's, it was super efficient though. I was right. really, really impressed, you know. Um, Dave Milner had so many athletes coming in and wanted to make it safe for everyone. So there was this whole system where you submit your test results through email. And then when you arrive and you check in, you know, the people checking you in, make sure that you've already submitted your test results and everybody's social distancing, everybody's wearing masks. So it did feel very safe. Now that you've got like a race under your belt, sort of, is there, and and because there's just so much uncertainty of like when the next race is going to be, how are you sort of approaching sort of maybe like the rest of the summer and and early fall where it's like what when's my next chance going to be to 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 run fast or like how how are you kind of like scheduling out the rest of the year yeah so i'm proceeding as if the events that i am entered in are going forward so i have plans to run at the second edition of the sunset tour a week from saturday and then a week after that? Yeah, I think a week later, September 7th, um, I'm running a 5K in Boston. Nice. Yeah. So it seems like it's like um, you you're, you came back from injury just sort of at the perfect time when it when it's like at the very, if you would have been healthy four or five months ago, really wouldn't have made too much of a difference than, than it is right. now. Right, yeah. Um, what's interesting to me is that you work out with Jenny, and Jenny's just been working in the shadows. What can you share of what Jenny's been up to this entire time? Oh, man. Jenny is such a force. Yeah. She is an amazing athlete, and I feel really, really lucky to get to learn from her and watch how she operates. Um, she she has been – I think she kind of took a break and is just you know enjoying her opportunity to not have this summer of – high caliber racing Mm -hmm. and being over in Europe and all those things, because she's been doing that year in and year out for 10 plus years. Yeah. So I think that was refreshing to see as well to say like, Hey, this can be an opportunity to just take a deep breath and appreciate being in beautiful Boulder in the summertime and running some nice miles and kind of just relaxing a little bit. It's funny to me to even come all the way out here and I haven't shot her a text or anything like that. Cause I just feel like, you know what? No, she's she's too busy prepping for for next year. No, like. <laughs> you should totally reach out. You should reach out. She would love that. At what point, uh, I guess, while working with Mark and Heather and you know Jenny, did you sort of like shake off a little bit of the holy crap? Like I'm working out with Jenny Simpson, <laughs> or, or do you still have those moments sometimes? I definitely still have those moments. I think that there was a learning curve with not being afraid to, you know, do my reps with her or, you know, to to even go faster if I were having a great day or whatever the case may be. And disclaimer, that is not often. I mean, she's she's incredible. Um, but yeah, I think there is still sometimes that element of when I have gotten to watch her, and in particular, I remember uh, in 2016, I had been training with Emma and Jenny the whole year. And we were visiting Riley's family in Maine and got to watch them both take home Olympic medals. And that was such a special moment to feel like these are people that I know personally and I have watched their ups and downs and I've watched them have amazing training sessions and days where they were disappointed and to actually see both of them 
achieve their dream of bringing home an Olympic medal was amazing. And so that was, that was probably the moment where I felt like, wow, I, I'm, I'm so lucky, you know, that I get to have these women to look up to and learn from. And yeah. It's, it's funny because I was just talking to someone like Trayvon Brumell about, uh, I, I never really gave too much thought as to like how sprinters perceive races and, um, how they think of being able to, they can be dragged along to faster times just by the competition. Yeah. Um, is there something similar in practice where you can look at it and be like, okay, if Jenny's ahead on this rep by this much and I'm only like this little bit behind her, then maybe that's a good sign going forward for wherever my fitness may be. So how do you sort of like perceive sort of like intervals and stuff during practice and like in the moment? Right. I mean, truly I do exactly what Mark and Heather tell me to do and I try, try, emphasis on try, to not <laughs> not overthink it, you know, um, and to not, I feel like, you know, as runners, I, I think every runner of every level is, we can get really addicted to data and to say like, okay, if I did my reps at this pace on this day, you know, with this weather, mm-hmm. then I surely can race X time for my race. And I think there's something to be said too for just kind of like letting yourself feel it and not attaching too much meaning to it. So that's something that I try to do. Just like run hard, have fun. Don't think about it too much. When it comes to like data and like stats, I'm looking at like your PR. So 1500, 406, 5k, 1526. When you hear those now that you're fully healthy and like able to, you you know, approaching an, an Olympic year in 2021. Yeah. What does it do for you to hear those and just kind of like they're a couple years old now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, is it like I think those are attainable? I'm going to take a big swing at it next year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's so funny. I remember the day I ran 406, I was on the phone with Riley and he's like, You did it. You got the Olympic standard. I'm like, oh, I just want to go faster, you know? <laughs> and so we're just, we're all wired that way. And that's, that's how we roll. So, yeah, I really hope. And especially, I mean, Right now, women's distance running in the United States in the 1500 and the 5000 is it. I, I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many women who have taken these kind of like preconceived barriers and said, I don't care. I'm going to go way faster. And so that's my hope as well. You know, like, I feel really inspired seeing what women have been able to do over the last couple of years. And I, definitely felt like I was missing out, you know, on so much of that. And so I'm really excited if I can just stay healthy. I want to, you know, be up there again. What's your reaction to when someone like Shelby Holohan says she wants to break 14? Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm like, that's, you know, that's the kind of attitude that I think should inspire everybody. And it's very clear, you know, seeing what their group has been able to do that having someone and I mean, Jenny is a perfect testament to this too, who, here's what the quote limits are and doesn't care that really elevates everyone so i think it's awesome she wants to take a big swing at right right what's what's your moonshot i think right now i mean right Speaking now into existence. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny i i did go into my last race i'm like no limits i'm so fit let's go and then you know i i did not run as fast as i wanted to run but um yeah i mean i think one thing that we're seeing a lot of and uh like Elise being a perfect example, mm-hmm. she just had this amazing race where she had, I don't know what her PR was before, you know, 15, 20 or something like that. And she went for it and she's well under 15. And so I think that's the new standard, you know, like if you want to be 
at the top of the United States, you got to be like flirting with the four minute mark, flirting with the 15 minute mark. So, yeah. What's been sort of like the hardest? I know there's there's so much excitement that you can get and like seeing it is really inspiring. But what's been the hardest, I guess, like pill to swallow when it comes to watching some of these races? Like the, the one where you're like, ah, oh, the FOMO is too real in this one. Oh, man, that's such a good question. I don't know if I have one race that I can think of, but going to when I went to USA's in 2019 and I had just gotten off of crutches, was not anywhere close to running again, and I was cheering for Riley in the 5K, I was sort of passively cheering for the women's 5K, you know, and I had two women that I was training with who were running in the 1500 and it was awesome to cheer for them. But I think I made a little bit of a decision for myself. Like, I'm not going to get super attached to watching this because that can be really, really hard. In particular, you know, USA's when that's for all the marbles mm-hmm. and you really, really want to be out there. Um, but again, I felt like my focus was on cheering for Riley. I was like way more nervous than I ever am for my own races. And really? so, yes, <laughs> yes. And why is that? And like, what happens during a race then? Like, are you just... Do you have to go into the tunnel to not watch for a lap or something? Like, what's going on? Well, so funny story. Riley Riley did do that. He came to watch me at NCAAs my fifth year. He drove all the way there to Eugene from Seattle, and he sat on a bench outside of the stadium, and he couldn't watch. He was like, I'm too <laughs> nervous to go inside. So he, like, listened, you know, to the announcements and stuff, which I thought was really, really funny. Um, I think... Honestly, Chris, I was just being so weird. I kept seeing people that I know and I was super happy to see, but I couldn't like keep eye contact or have a normal conversation. I was just like really fidgety. Um, So hopefully nobody felt offended that I was like just super distracted. And then I just kind of went off by myself to watch. The listeners love a good love story. What's uh, what's the first date story with with Riley? Because I I think I kind of remember this might have been Stanford of of 2013 maybe or 14 i might have been at olive garden with with merber and riley and i remember at the time this might have been very early on into when the two of you might have been like texting or something it was something about puns yes and, 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 and it was like i think riley was just trying to brainstorm with, with kyle and i what was like the best pun to res- like respond to whatever text or something that you sent so I, I might have gone way too 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 far like to the to the earliest parts, but what where did the relationship begin? Oh, it's a Big Twelve love story. Okay, truly, I thank the Big Twelve for bringing us together. So Riley was running at Oklahoma, and I was running at Texas, and <clears throat> excuse me, I developed a crush on him when I was you know we were around in the Big Twelve, and I would see him around, and we did not meet until he was running professionally for the Brooks Beasts, and I was in my last year. At Texas and we were running at Iowa State and again big 12 love story we love the big 12 <laughs> and he was running the mile or something and I was running the 5k trying to get a national qualifier and I went into the training room after the race I had to put some ice on something and he was in there so I just pretended that we were friends and acquaintances and was super <laughs> friendly uh, despite the fact that we had never met so that was that was more or less just like how we met and everything got started that's awesome Wait, is there Riley was saying that the two of you don't talk too much about running. Like the, you, you guys think you don't talk as, as much about running as maybe some other running couples do. And um, one thing was sort of the question of why 
you guys do this and sort of like chasing mm. like the Olympic dream. Yeah. When those conversations happen, I guess, what do you, what do you take away from, from it and sort of like how different are both of your whys or how similar are they? That's a really interesting question. I think we are very much on the same page in terms of wanting to get the most out of ourselves and having a passion for just working as hard as we can at something. Um, yeah. So I think, I do think we're wired pretty similarly in that way. Like we want to seek excellence and, you know, seek our best at whatever it is that we're doing. And, you know, I'm super excited for him. Um, just coming back from his injury to see what he can do now that he doesn't have pain in his heel constantly, you know, that's been a limiting factor the last couple of years. So I am really, really happy for him that that's going to be something that's, you know, hopefully behind him and he can train even better now. So in a way is sort of like that motivation and, and, and that reason different four years later, I guess, from like, you know, 2016 and, and how you're approaching, I guess, next year. Um, like how, how, how did you sort of approach the last trials? And like- Oh, that's such a good, you're so, you have so many good questions. <laughs> I, I mean, might just edit this into a reel where it's you saying, oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> exactly. It's just a hype reel for the podcast. You're like, listen, I ask good questions. Um, I have a really vivid memory of the last trials showing up there and this sweet woman who was giving me my credential, you know, one of the volunteers at uh, Hayward Field said something along the lines of, oh, this is your first time here. You must just be happy to be here. And I had this kind of reaction like, well, no, I, I, you know, I want to do something while I'm here. I'm not just happy to be here. And kind of that naivete of the first time around and maybe not having as much of an understanding of, you know, I, I got smoked in the last lap, I just smoked, <laughs> destroyed. And thinking, you know, I would really like to be back here in four years and not get smoked to be a contender. And so that is certainly my mindset. But at the same time, I think all the time about that woman saying, you're just happy to be here because, I mean, anytime you get to do something like that, you should be happy to be there. And that's something that I hope I can kind of carry with me going forward, like having been through this whole injury cycle and realizing and having way more respect for what it actually is to compete at that high level and what good fortune you have to have to, you know, avoid the injuries and avoid uh, the bad, bad timing and to be kind of firing in all cylinders at the right time. I think I will certainly be approaching this next Olympic cycle, you know, Olympic year, round two, um, with more of that attitude. Like, I'm happy to be here, which is maybe a reversal from what I would have ex- expected. I hope that woman listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where were you, I guess, when the announcement came that the Olympics were postponed or when did you because it took a while for that to actually like become like official yeah Um, and it was like rumors about it for so long and then when it finally did I mean was this just a like a big relief for you knowing it's like you just bought yourself a whole nother year right kind of yes but also and I'm sure this is the attitude that so many people have we were psychologically you know ready to to get going this year and I was so ecstatic to be healthy, so ecstatic that my training had been going so well. So I think I was out for a run. There was a period of a couple of months at least where I didn't meet anyone at all to run. 
And so I was doing so much running by myself and I came back to the car and opened my email and Mark had written to all of the post-collegiate group that he coaches and said, this is kind of what it's looking like. So, and kind of gave us a little bit of a heads up, you know, don't be totally shocked when you hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you mentioned sort of like that psychological toll that it takes or just like that buildup, um, what does it take, I guess, sort of to get in the right mindset for an Olympic year? Hmm. I mean, I'm not sure that I've totally figured that out, but I mean, it is, again, I think I said this earlier, like it's for all the marbles. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have that attitude, like I'm going for broke and I'm giving this my all, my foot's on the gas. That was like so many, um, platitudes like right there (laughs) in one, but, um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the attitude that everyone has is, you know, we're going for top three or we're going home. So um, then recalibrating to, okay, there is another year. And frankly, I mean, there are way bigger things going on. That mm-hmm. was a, you know, a, a big step back in terms of the taking the foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there, it's sort of like, it's it's so easy to get caught up on, on 2021, but I mean, Worlds, I guess, technically comes to the States in 2022. Right. So it's, like, it's another like benchmark, I guess, to also like look forward to. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at sort of like the results of races that you've run, when you cross the finish line at Milrose Games in 2019, because that's when after, shortly after, it was like the broken, the broken foot. Yes. Where, where did you feel you were sort of like in your... I guess, athletic development at that point. And for this thing to happen, right. Was it just like, damn it? Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. And now this thing just knocks me out. Yes. <laughs> yes. In a word. I, um, that indoor season, I, I approached feeling like I'd gotten off to a rocky start in the fall because I had had kind of a setback with my femur and, I just really, really, really wanted to be racing well again. I think 2018 was a really valuable experience because I started running. I think I didn't run on the ground until two or three weeks before USA's. And so I was really, really not fit. And going into all my whole summer of racing, we said, let's just do the best we can and prepare as well as we can. But having that experience of racing when you know that you're not at the fitness level where you want to be was so eye-opening just in terms of, you know, A, I I really, really want to get back to a level where I'm contending and B, this is so painful when you're out of shape, like it's horrible. And so that kind of helped me with, you know, achieving, I felt like a new level of toughness. And so I went into that indoor season and those couple of races feeling like, okay, I just had this sort of rocky season in 2018 and I really do want to establish myself and take a step forward. And that week I had the flu. And so it didn't go as I had hoped. And yeah, I, again, I was really eager afterwards to get back and train hard. And that was kind of when I, when I got injured again. So after this whole round of injuries, how would you define sort of this new level of of tough that you found? Ooh, yeah. Another good question, Chris. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think I think the toughness comes from appreciating a level of disappointment, you know, that spans kind of a longer term in terms of, you know, I'm not having a setback that's lasting six weeks. I'm having setback after setback after setback and being able to 
kind of get back up from that and try one more time when you feel so discouraged is, I mean, that's, that's something that I think I'll carry with me for the rest of my life into whatever I pursue after running. Like I said, on the phone to Riley after my race, like I am really proud of myself because that was not easy. Yeah. Uh, what was the most, I think you let doubt creep into sort of like the comeback process where it was like, ah, I don't know if I'll be able to get back to what I was before. Like what, how did, and, and how did you subside that? Yeah. So I, I took a complete break when I broke my foot. I felt like it's really time to just kind of disengage with this for a while. And I went to Texas, which is where I'm from. I went to my hometown of Dallas, went to go see kind of my friends that I grew up with, all of my college friends, my parents. And that was so restorative and amazing because having gone through this cycle of, you know, now I'm going to cross train as hard as I can and try to come back and try to run and feeling like I was just stuck going to be around people that have known me for so long and appreciate you know me and don't I mean they care about the running thing and as far as like they want me to be happy but you know they don't they don't value that the way that I do and that was the best thing that I could have possibly done just to say right now I'm not Sarah the runner I'm Sarah the person and just really leaning into that and enjoying it was just so restorative it was awesome so we've touched on like the the track, but I mean, what what are some goals Sarah the person has? Oh man, I'm always I like Riley laughs at me. I have something new all the time. Um, so I don't know my my long term career goals, but I would I would like to you know pursue something else after this. I was a government major in college. Um, I studied abroad, so I definitely have uh, an interest in those things and think it would be really cool to you know, kind of use those skills and, um, but I, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. 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 Plenty of time still to, to figure that out. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, we'll move to the final questions. I ask every guest, what's the, uh, funniest drug testing story you've got? I hate to say that I don't have a funny drug testing story, but I really, I mean, probably the best one would be that we were meeting Jenny one time for dinner And she had made a reservation for us at this awesome pizza place. And it was kind of our whole training group was meeting up and the, you know, drug testing people came to her door and she's like, listen, I had this reservation. She might've told this story as like hers. (laughs) Yeah, she probably did. Cause it, it really was funny. Like, you know, she brought the whole team to dinner and so they came and sat with us and, um, yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, meanest thing you've read about yourself on let's run.com. I, I don't think anyone talks about me on there, as far as I know. I've never done, like, the live. I have my laptop in front of me. I've never done the live. <laughs> you look, can check but... if you want. You can check if you want. Uh, let's go with, uh, if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, where would the run take place, and who would it be with? Hmm. I think the where, I might pick... Uh, Dowdy Draw in Boulder. Have you done that run? Uh, yeah, that's actually the one that's the one that I got lost on. Or, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't get lost. So 
that's it, seven miles, right? Like I think ish. Yeah. 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 Um, I made it two, and then I got dropped from the group that I was with. And the group I was with, apparently, no one uh, wants to run slow with me. And so <laughs> I would uh, run slow with you. They just kept going, and then I said. There, there, there's a bunch of trees up ahead. I think I'm going to get lost. So I'm just going to turn around. So I just turned around, made it an out and back for like two miles. So I never got to see the amazing view that they were all talking about afterwards. Oh, bummer. I just, you know, turned back. But it, from what I've heard, it is a beautiful run. Yes, it's stunning. Like you go through this cool canyon and I don't want to like rub it in because you didn't get to do it. But no, we'll good. go some <laughs> other time and you'll get to see it. It's, it is incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Are there, so this is my whole big thing since I've been here and it's a weird thing to ask already like a weird uh, a week and a half in but on a trail like that bears like I'm terrified uh would like have you had any sort of encounters with bears or like I I this is just me being a city guy coming out here I think (laughs) that's a big fear yeah have you had any sort of encounters I lived at a house up Boulder Canyon for a semester and then part of a summer And there was one morning where, this is not a running story, but it is a bear encounter story, where I left to go to my training and I noticed that the garage door was kind of like askew. Is that a word? I'm not sure. It was like really crookedly not correct. And I kind of looked at it and I thought, huh, you know, like wonder why that happened. And I went down to training and I get a text message from uh, one of my roommates and he said, Sarah, like I went outside to go check out what was going on with this garage door. He opens it up and a black bear runs out of the garage. So it had like smelled, there was trash in the garage, like a bag of trash. It had smelled bad and went in there, wanted a delicious snack and was just hanging out. Yeah. I, it's been my big fear. It's bears. Um, yeah, so that trail in particular, when I was just running by myself, yeah, no phone on me, my GPS watch was at like 1%. I was like, I'm going to make one wrong left turn and no oh, one's no. going to find me. This is the end <laughs> of me. You're going to be so like... I'm just, and the thing was, I'm just like, I'm only two miles out. It's not like this is the end of the world for me. But yeah, the trail, beautiful. So I'll give you that. So who's it with? Yeah, so I think I would have to pick my uh, late paternal grandfather. Okay. Um, so Dan Sutherland, he was an orthopedic surgeon in Dallas. And uh, he passed away when I was fairly young. And so I never got to have that you know, adult to adult relationship with him. Um, But throughout my whole life growing up in Dallas, I would meet people who would, you know, see my name and like a, you know, sign in sheet or whatever. And they would say, oh, any relation to Dr. Dan? And I would say, yeah, my grandfather. And it was such a privilege to get to hear different people say, oh, like he did my knees. He changed my life, you know? And uh, yeah, to just like be someone that people are still talking about, you know, years and years later, he was just like such a servant to the community and really, really good at what he did. Um, and so everything I hear about him, I'm like, man, you know, it would be like so cool to go run with him and talk to him and just get to know him more. That's an awesome answer. Um, last one, you get 25 shots from half court on a basketball court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? Chris, I'm not doing it. There's no way. Riley said yes. There's no way. Okay, so this is the thing. There's several several parts to this answer. Okay. <laughs> so the first part is that one of my worst fears is going to prison. Okay. I'm like... That's a, that's a great worst fear. <laughs> yeah, like I just... I don't want to go there. I, I like my life and I don't want to go there. Uh, so I'm always like terrified of like accidentally doing something bad and like getting in trouble. And so I just don't want to put myself in that situation. 
And then the second part of that answer is that I really am like acutely aware of my limitations when it comes to like sports. <laughs> and I can't even like we have a little mini basketball hoop in our guest room. And it's funny because Riley and I were having this conversation the other day. We were just like sitting in there talking and he said, oh, you know, like the question that Chris always asks on the podcast about the half court shots. And so we, <laughs> we decided to do like a mini version. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, here, just try to do it. And it's keep in mind, it's a tiny basketball hoop. It's like, I don't even know. I could probably dunk on it. Yeah. It is not high up. And I think I did 12 or 13 shots. Didn't come close, <laughs> like airballed every single one. Not a basketball kind of woman. And so... I'm not attempting the shots. I know my limitations. Smart. I'll yeah. just not have the money and it will be okay. Yeah, I'm of the mindset that knows the the right answer there. And you have evidence to prove that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. this isn't the right move. Um, Sarah, thanks so much for doing this. This is a lot of fun. I'm wishing you all the best of luck in these races you've got coming up because it's, it's, it's great to see you back. Chris, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. And thank you so much for having me on. That does it for this episode of the show. Many thanks to Sarah for taking the time to chat. If you listened to and enjoyed this episode, give us a shout out on your Instagram stories or consider leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts. This allows for new people to discover the show. Be sure to sign up for the weekly Sidious Mag newsletter. It hasn't come out in the last two weeks, but that's because I'm making my way back from vacation. But expect it in your inbox every Friday. Get your fix of all the news and analysis of whatever's going on in the running community from yours truly. So stay up to date. It takes one minute to sign up. The link is included in the show notes. All you have to do is go to Substack and plug in your email. It's that simple. Many thanks to Gooder for sponsoring the show. It's funny because right after we recorded the episode with Sarah, she was telling me how she rocks Gooder sunglasses all the time. So show some love for the sponsors. Pick up a pair. They're the most affordable performance sunglasses out there. They're only 25 bucks, and they come in many great styles. Visit Gooder.com slash Sidious. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Sidious to see some of my favorite lenses and styles. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. Eyes are looking gooder.